Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. This week we're talking about hearts. No, love. Love. That's why I'm dressed like this, all right? How many have ever seen me in a tie? For some of you, this might be your first time. I only wore this because it was red. Representing what? Trump tie. All right, you're right, because it even has tape on the back. Have you seen that one online? Yeah. Uh, Never mind. Actually, I put that on there to hold it. That's why he put it there, too. There's a picture of him on Facebook like this, and they're pointing at the tape. He has to mend his ties. No, it's to hold the back on there so it doesn't flap all over. Hearts. Love. What's your definition of love? How do we define it? That's what we're going to look at today. And I need to get my, I got my clicker back. You're in trouble. Woohoo! How do we define love? How do you define love? Frankly, I find it difficult to describe what love is in human terms. I'm going to go back, but when I was nine, I thought I was in love with this beautiful young girl called Karen. This girl lived in another state and only came and visited Michigan once a year for about two weeks at a time, and I thought I was in love with her at nine. How many would say, yeah, right. We call it what? Puppy love. Well, I think I might have really been in love because at 14, she dumped me. And I'm telling you what, my heart was broken. At least I thought it was. That was a tough, tough time for me. But I didn't really understand what love was. And maybe you're the same. I'm still not sure if what I felt toward her was true love. Love is certainly subjective, meaning that it's based on one's personal feeling or opinion. Right? I often tell brothers and sisters in Christ, hey, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Well, I'm not saying that in the sense of like that, like I do with my wife, Barb. No. That's the phileo kind of love, right? That's the brotherly love that we all experience. And I love you guys. I love Mount Hope Church. I love the body of Christ. And I have no problems calling you my brother or my sister. To me, though, the only one that can really define what love is is who? Jesus. That's right. God Himself. And I I wanted to share briefly John 3.16. And this is the King James today. For God so loved the world. Do you realize that He didn't say, for God so loved the Jews? Because He came for the Jews first, right? Jesus said that. But here, He's saying God loved the world. That includes all of us. That's good news for us. Because if He'd only said the Jews, we'd be in trouble. But no, He said the world. And that even means people that are living in sin. I'm going to share that Scripture in a little bit. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. To me, that's the definition of love. That's God's definition. The word the Apostle John used here to describe what the Lord was explaining to them is called agape. And it simply means what? Anybody know? Unconditional. Unconditional. No strings attached. Do you realize that often when human beings love somebody, there's a string attached to it? Well, I'll love you if, if, if you'll rub my back. Huh? Well, I, I'll love you, baby. I'll love, oh, you'll be my baby, you'll be my honey, if, if you just step in the bedroom with me for a while. Huh? Do we not hear that? Strings attached. But that's not God's love. God's love is unconditional. I love this quote from John Stott. Only one act of pure love, unsullied by any taint of ulterior motive, has ever been performed in the history of the world. Namely, the self-giving of God in Christ on the cross for who? Undeserving sinners. That's you and me. That is why if we are looking for a definition of love, we should look not in a dictionary, but at Calvary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what today's message is all about. John 3.16, in my opinion, defines love. God was unconditional in His love for us. Romans 5.8 explains this in a little more detail. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners for god so loved the world for god so loved the world it didn't matter that we were still living in sin he still loved us and often we don't love somebody until they line up with all of our prerequisites you know what i'm saying we almost hold them hostage well until you do this i'm not gonna love you anymore Aren't you thankful God doesn't do that? We sang this song first today, and I, we may sing it again at the end if, if the team is available. Romans 5.11, and, and, and this is one of my favorites, because to me, this is the epitome of what love is. How many would agree that you love your spouse first, but later on you become friends? That's why I love my wife. Because we've been in love for years, 40 years already. And I'm telling you, the last 10 or 20 at least, we've been friends. Not just lovers, but friends. And when she's not around me, I'm like, oh. I feel like part of me's missing. And I believe that's what God's saying here. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. How many can get excited about that? Poke your neighbor and say, you're a friend of God. Hallelujah. You're a friend of God. God came to earth in the form of a man to bring us life 
and to help us understand what it means to be loved by God and to be his friend. He doesn't stop with the love factor. He goes on to that next step. Not only do I love you, but I want you to be my friend. Isn't that what we want to hear from people? It's relational and it's powerful. And the best part is it's free. How many like free? I like free. You couldn't afford it anyway. Good point, Brother Roger. God is our friend. And all we have to do to accept this relationship, this free gift of salvation, is to give our hearts to Him. Romans 6.23 speaks of this wonderful gift that God has given us through Christ. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to tell you something. If I open nothing else up on Christmas morning, let it be this. The gift of salvation. Year after year, that's all I care about. I don't care what's under the tree. I just want to know that when, I, when, this, when this stops beating, whatever that is, hey, I'm getting older. We don't know when we're going to go. We don't know when we're going to go. But we know we're going to go someday. And when this stops beating, I pray that I'll immediately see Him, see His face, welcoming me into His kingdom. That's my prayer. Hallelujah. Some of you, you, you may not experience death, the apostle said. You may just go immediately to heaven to be with Jesus if, if you're in that time era. We don't know which way it's going to go, but we do know this body is going to give out someday. And we're going to be in our new glorified bodies. Hallelujah. I can't wait for that day. But we're on this earth for now, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about heaven, but I'm looking for heaven. I'm not going to dwell on it today, but I feel it in my heart that it's coming soon. God wants us to be with Him forever. That's part of that friendship. Don't you want your friends to be with you? For all who receive this wonderful gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ, they will receive everlasting life. Hallelujah. I hope, if you're here today, I hope you have received this free gift. This amazing gift that God has given us through His Son. The question, why did God send His only Son to die for us? And why is He willing to forgive us of our sins, even though, really, we don't deserve it? Some people live good lives, right? But you still don't deserve it. In your DNA, thanks to Adam and Eve, you've got sin in your genes. Shake it out. Whoa. It won't work. You can wash them as many times as you want. Your genes, that is. You're still going to have sin in you. So I'm talking about inside. There's only one way to be cleansed of sin. And that's through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Titus 3, 4 through 8, and I wanted to read this because it, it helps uh, describe why God did what he did. Verse 4, but when God our Savior revealed 
His kindness and love. He saved us. And by the way, I emphasized a couple words here. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but why? Because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So God saved us. This is before he even, we were even born. He saved us. Remember, God is not held by time, is He? What He did on that cross 2,000 plus years ago was good for then and it was good for today. Amen? So He doesn't have to die over and over and over and over for us. He's not on the cross anymore. He died once. Once and for all, for all men to be saved. But he saved us, not because we earned it, but because of his mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good news. Then it goes on to say, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. God is generous. We might be stingy, but God is not. God is generous. He gave us His all. Verse 7, because of His what? Grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. It is favor toward man, or the way I like to put it is, it's God's love in action. That's what grace really is. God's love in action. I want you to picture it like that as we go through the remainder of this sermon today. He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Only through Jesus, right? Then he said this. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings. Now how strongly is that put? I am insisting that you teach people this truth. That God saved us through His mercy and by His grace. That's what we need to understand. We have no part in it other than accepting that free gift. These teachings are good, he goes on to say, and are beneficial for everyone. That's good news. You don't have to worry about where you're going to go when you die. Not if you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Not if you've accepted that free gift. And if you haven't, by the end of this message, I'll give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So God saved each one of us by His mercy and grace, not because we deserved it though, right? But because He loved us unconditionally, and that led to Him showing mercy upon us sinners. Knowing that God loved us first, and here's, I'm going to kind of change direction a little bit. Knowing that God loved us first, unconditionally what should our response toward the Lord be love him back that's what I want to ponder this morning as we look at the second week of Advent and the theme of love I'd like to share this quote from pastor and author Danny Silk who wrote a book called keep your love on (laughs) I just like the title keep your love on He said this about love. Each display of love, no matter how seemingly small, is a powerful act of spiritual warfare that removes anxiety from the environment, replaces it with freedom and safety, and invites each person to bring his or her best self 
forward in the relationship. That's pretty good, isn't it? Did you know that when you love people, that's actually you're, you're doing spiritual warfare? Why do you think Jesus went around loving everybody? Because he was at war with his enemy, the, the master, the father of all lies, the, the evildoers of the day. He was at war with those spirits that tried to stir up the darkness. And everywhere he went, he tried to breathe life into them by loving them. Hallelujah. As born-again believers, we were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave His all for you and me. And the greatest response that you and I can give back is to get our love on. You can change the environment around you by simply sharing the love that God has first put into you. You have to realize you can't give it away until it's there. I think too many of us try. How can you give away God's love if you haven't got it in you first? You need to be born again. You need to have the Spirit of the living God in you, and then you can give that love away. And by doing so, you bring damage to the kingdom of darkness. This is another one of those messages Satan does not want the church to hear. He fears people that love because love is a powerful weapon. Love is a powerful weapon. Can I get a good amen? 1 John 4, 7 and 8, and I am sharing quite a few scriptures, however I feel that they all just amplify the message that I'm trying to preach today. Here, the Apostle John emphasized the need for the body of Christ to love. Dear friends, he said, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not I go back to what I just said a few minutes ago. How can we love if we don't have God in us first? This actually talks about that. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Is that you? Is that you? Brother, sister? Do you love people? You know, I still get caught up driving down the road. Man, it's like, ah, am I ever going to win this thing? And that slow little buggy gets in front of me, and I'm in a hurry. Or on the other side, I'm the slow little buggy, and they're right behind me kissing my... You just want to slam the brakes on, don't you? I do. And then I think of the damage it'll do to my car and how long I'm going to be sitting there but I get a little frown when I actually think about it. It's like, oh, it'd be so much fun just <laughs> ruin their day. Take that for driving too close. If that's you, back off. No, just kidding. <laughs> get your love on, I should have said. <laughs> that's what I need to do. And, and I don't know what trips you up. Maybe it's something completely different. But we have little triggers that, ah, they rob us of those moments where we can really show what God's put in us. And instead we fail. Ah, 
God, help us to get our love on. Amen? Love one another. To drive this point home, 1 John 4, 19, just a few verses later, he says, we love each other. Why? Because he loved us first. You see, it can't go both ways. First God's love, then we love. First God's love, then we love. Say that. First God's love, then we love. You can't reverse these. We love and then God's love. It doesn't work that way. It has to be in order for us to love one another. And that goes to this. We cannot truly love without Jesus living in our hearts. We cannot truly love without Jesus in our hearts. But once we become born again, we can love others as He first loved us. And that's how we thank God for what He's done for us. We love others just as He first loved us. We emulate Christ. Well, what does that word mean? To emulate is a verb, and it means to imitate, mirror, or copy. We should look like Jesus, right? And I'm not talking about the physical features he had. I'm saying the way that he responded to people, the way he loved people. All of us should be this way. Less spiteful. Less angry. Less ornery in the morning before we've had our coffee. Still working on that one too. I'm confessing my sins up here today. We need him. We need the Lord. That's what every Christian should be doing, though, is emulating God. Emulating what the early church did as you read through the book of Acts. They loved people. And through that love, people were drawn to the cross, drawn to the Jesus in them. And they had opportunity to say, this is what happened to me. God got a hold of me. God began to love me. And I reciprocated that love once I accepted his gift. And now I'm just happy, happy, happy. Happy, happy, happy. I want to read a passage of Scripture from Luke, beginning with uh, verse 11 in chapter 15. And I'm going to read from the Message Bible. This story, it's a very familiar story, but I, I want to expound on it just a little bit more than normal. This is written by Eugene Patterson, the Message Bible. It's a paraphrase, if you will, but I don't often teach from this, but I felt like today that it really amplifies the story that I'm trying to tell in the picture that I'm trying to get you to see. This is our God. This is our God. Luke 15, 11 through 32. I'm not going to read everything, but most of it. The lost son or the prodigal son is how some of your Bibles uh, translate this. Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. You guys ever see any spoiled kids? Do you think this guy was spoiled? You better give me what I want right now. You give me what's coming to me right now, Dad. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and 
dissipated, which I had to look up, which means he was overindulging in sensual pleasures. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. What I want you to recognize is that one of the first signs of a person ready to change is when they start to hurt. When you run into somebody like that, you need to realize they're ripe for a miracle. Because most of the people I run into that are hurting are right there ready to say yes to Jesus. Give them that opportunity. Some say he'll have to hit rock bottom before he'll ever change. I believe that's where this young man was at. Hurt causes us to rethink our strategy for life. Hurt gets our selfish eyes off of the things that are least important and it places them on what is most important. Whether it's you or someone you know, hurt isn't a bad thing. It's a necessary thing for true change to take place in any person's life. Amen? That's what the prodigal son was experiencing here. Verse 15. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. Woohoo! He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. But no one would give him any. Oops, there it is. Pig slop. I had to look this up. You know what pig slop is? Whatever's left over. Moldy bread, old vegetable skins, corn cobs, whatever they could find, and then they, they mix a little water in it, you know, to give it a little slosh. <sighs> Typically, it doesn't smell the greatest. Hello, rotting garbage. That's where this young man found himself, in the rotting garbage. Would you say he was desperate? <laughs> I would say. And that describes how low this wayward son had fallen. He had little hope, he was starving, and nobody cared about him. He was falling into despair. This is where a lot of people find themselves just before committing suicide. Right where this young man is. Like there's nothing they can do to pull out of where they're at. But there is. His name is Jesus. There is always hope. I don't care who you are. And as we're going to read about this young man's dad, his father, it's the same way God responds to us as sinners. You may, might be thinking, well, he had it coming, the dummy. And he did. Okay, He went and spent everything he had on sensual pleasures. He went to the casinos if they'd had them. He went to the prostitutes if they'd had them, and I know they did. He's the one that blew through his early inheritance. But before you judge him, <laughs> how different were you before you accepted the gift of life that Jesus gave each one of us? Pig slop is all the leftover garbage that nobody else wants or will eat. It stinks. There's little nutritional value in it for humans. 
The Holy Spirit showed me that this pig slap is similar to all the worldly, sinful ways of man, which is where we often find ourselves when we're living for self. To God, our immorality is pig slap. The Apostle Paul said this, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. That's good news. Now you need to understand, God's not telling us, hey, go hide in the church. It's not what he's saying when he says come out from among them. He's telling us not to live like them. Not to join in with the immorality, the sinfulness, those types of lifestyles. We need to separate ourselves from those. But we need to hang out with sinners. Because if we don't, where's the salt? How are they going to know the light if they're always in darkness? The filthy things are like pig slop to the Lord. That's where this young foolish lad had found himself. He was desperate in despair and he had no place to turn. But then he had that light bulb moment. Hallelujah. That brought him to his senses, verse 17 said. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day and I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. How many would do that? Or how many would be too prideful? I'm not going back to dad. I'll just stay right here and I'll just eat pig slop. Even though dad could help me. Isn't that how we are sometimes with God the Father? I've done too much wrong. God's not going to love me anymore. I, I just, I'm not going back to heaven. Why would he want to love me? Don't be that person. Have a light bulb moment. Be like this young man. Turn back to God. This wayward son realized he didn't deserve his dad to show him mercy. But he was going to throw himself on his mercy. He expected his dad to treat him as a hired hand. He realized he had sinned against God and his father. Realizing that we have sinned is called what? Repentance. The Google Dictionary defines as one that feels or expresses sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines repent as to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. Literally, it means to turn around, to do a 180. You were heading toward death, a sinful life. You turn around 180 degrees, now you're heading toward God and a full life. That's the difference between the wayward son and coming back to the Father. Hallelujah. I believe both of these definitions are accurate. 
The wayward son recognized his sin and was planning to do something about it. That's why he said, I'm going to go see my dad. I'm going to go throw myself in his mercy for everything I've done wrong. Once forgiven, we then need to turn from that sinful lifestyle. I've seen a lot of people accept Jesus Christ as Lord, but then they keep on doing the same things they used to do. The Holy Spirit will give you all the strength you need to overcome your sins. You just need to trust that He will and continue to give them to the Lord. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Verse 20, He got right up and He went to His Father. I love this part. When He was still a long way off. When He was still a long way off. One more time, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Oh, that melts my heart. To think this dad was doing what? He was waiting. He had the binoculars out looking on the horizon for any resemblance of his wayward son. He knew in his heart he was going to come back. His heart was pounding and he ran out and he embraced him and he kissed him. His father was waiting for his return, anticipating it. And hear this, that's how God is for you and me. Well, brother, I've made some poor decisions lately. You know, God forgave me back in 1982 and and I remember being born again, but you know, I, I don't know, I just don't know if he'll forgive me again. Read this in your own Bibles. Luke 15. Go back there and read this. He was looking for you to come back. This should excite most of us. There might be a couple in here that aren't quite sure yet, but I'm telling you what, when I read this, I was like, I'm a dad. I've got four boys. I still remember when my son Troy, he had been gone, moved to South Carolina. I hadn't seen him for three years. And my, my other boy surprised me with his Father's Day weekend. And I'm sitting in my office chair, I'm studying, and I turn around and here's Troy who I hadn't seen in three years. I couldn't even talk. I started blubbering like a baby. You know what I thought? I thought, my son. My son's home. I cannot imagine how this father felt. But I've got a good clue. I've got a good clue. And this is our Heavenly Father. This story represents His love for us. And by the way, even though Scripture talks about it being a son, Please understand, ladies, he's talking about his daughters too. It just happens that back then they never mentioned the women. God still loves you just as much as he does the male gender. So place yourself in this picture. If you're thinking he's not talking about daughters, he's just talking about sons. No, he means all of his children. All of us. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. 
But the father wasn't listening. <laughs> Woo! The father wasn't listening. He had already forgiven his son, folks. You get that? He'd already forgiven him. He didn't need to listen to his spiel because he had already forgiven him. And God has already forgiven you for whatever dumb thing you've done or things. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Wow. Wow. That's how God is toward us. That's the kind of love our Heavenly Father will show us. If we repent, this is the kind of love that He'll pour out upon us. And listen, He's not going to look back like we do and remind us of everything we've done wrong throughout our life. He's not going to do that. Psalm 103, 12 and 13. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Now get a picture of that. Actually, it'd be this way. But get a picture of that, east and west. How far is it apart? They can't ever touch. What God's saying is, I will never see your sins. Verse 13 here says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Even here, God, he explains about not seeing our sins, and then he's compared to a loving father. And that's the kind of God we serve. I don't care who you are today in this room. If you've been living a lifestyle, a sinful lifestyle, and if you're at that desperate stage where you feel hopeless, even despair, I've got some great news for you today. Your Heavenly Father is the Dad that we're seeing here in this passage. Jesus was telling this story, and He was telling it about the Heavenly Father that all of us have And he's waiting for his sinful sons to come home and to repent. Hallelujah. Turn to him today and he will forgive you of your sins and he will call you his own. Praise be unto the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now normally I'd I'd read the next five verses, verse 25 to 30, but this is where the older son returns from the field. Now I was trying to figure out, why didn't dad have a servant run out and get him. Maybe he just didn't think about it because he was so excited that his lost son was there. I don't know, but when the older son got, got home, he got really uptight and upset with dads. Hey, dad, what are you doing, man? This dude, this, this little brother of mine, he went and blew all of our inheritance, or all his, and now you're welcoming, welcoming him back into the home like nothing ever happened. What's up with that, Dad? You can read it on your own. Verses 25 to 30. What I want you to get is, don't be like that, brother. It's it's not our concern how God loves people back into the kingdom. Because we're often the ones casting judgment, saying, hey, Tim, Tim, you evil man. God will never forgive you, you know. I'm I'm just, you know what I'm saying here. You're an example, okay? And, And I'm not really saying this for true. But that's how we are. 
We get this thing in our head that, oh, God could never forget. Tim, oh, have you been around him? Have you seen, Chris, have you seen what he's done? How could God ever forgive you? But he can. I don't care how rough or how bad we are, how low we've gotten, he can forgive us. He will forgive us. All we have to do is come home to Papa. All we have to do is return to the safety of heaven's loving embrace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Getting closer to the end. This father said he was dead, but now he's alive. That's how all of us should be toward repentant sinners. Let me read the last two verses. His father said, son, you don't understand. Talking to the older son. You're with me all the time and everything that's mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Hallelujah. That's good news. Theologian Haddon Robinson said said this best about our Heavenly Father's response to repentant sinners. With him, the calf is always the fatted calf. The robe is always the best robe. The joy is always unspeakable. And the peace passes understanding. There is no grudging in God's goodness. He does not measure His goodness by drops like a druggist filling a prescription. It comes upon us in floods. If only we recognize the lavish abundance of His gifts, what a difference it would make in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What kind of God do we serve? 1 John 4, 9 and 10. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. Verse 10. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's the kind of God we serve. Now as blood-born-again children of God, we have been forgiven and we have received that gift of life. Let us emulate our God and love the people around us just as God first loved you and me. There are a lot of prodigal sons out there, a lot of lost sons all around us, and they need to see Jesus in us. They need to experience that kind of love in us unconditional you may work with people that are heathens you may go to school with students that just drive you nuts in the way that they respond to people their immorality the things they say or do that doesn't make them any less of a human being what they are is a prodigal what they are is a wayward son or daughter and you may be the one by emulating God's love, by that, expressing that unconditional love that might bring them back into the fold, into the kingdom. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, I'm getting ready to close. In his book, I wanted to share one brief story. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, Philip Yancey tells the story of Ernest Hemingway. How many have heard of him? Yeah, most of us. Hemingway grew up in a very devout evangelical family. And yet, there he never experienced the grace of Christ. He lived a libertine life that most of us would call dissolute or laxed in morals. There was no father, no parent waiting for him. And he sank into the mire of graceless depression. That's what I was talking about earlier. He wrote a short story that perhaps reveals the grace that he had hoped for himself. It's the story of a Spanish father who decided to reconcile himself to his son who had run away to Madrid. The father, in a moment of remorse, took out this ad in El Libro, which was a newspaper there in Madrid, and the, the ad said, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, all is forgiven, Papa. When the father arrived at the square in hopes of meeting his son, he found 800 Pacos waiting to be reunited with their father. Was Paco such a popular name? Or is a father's forgiveness the salve for every soul? I believe it's the latter. We all yearn to be loved, especially by our fathers, especially if you haven't had a father or if your father were no representative of what a real father should be. Would you stand with me? We all want a father's love. We all want forgiveness of our sins. Not everybody may realize that yet, but we all need to be loved by God. Amen? The good news is that we can have that love. All we have to do is turn back to the Lord. Repent of our sins. Say, God, I've done you wrong. Maybe I've done people wrong. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins. Make me that new person that you talk about in your word. It's as simple as that. And if you mean business, God will change your heart. Maybe you're in here today and, and you're one of those that say, you know what? I'm that prodigal. I, I ran away from God. I used to know his love, but I took it for granted. I've been so far away from him that I just feel so low, so desperate. And, and, and I just, I know, I know now that I can come back to him. Maybe that's you. I want to pray with you. With every head bowed, eyes closed. You'd say, that's me, Pastor. I want to come back to him today. I, I want this to be the day that I remember forever. When I gave my heart back to my God who I know loves me. If that's you, would you lift your hands so I can see him? Hallelujah. 
yes, 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 yes. Yes, others, you can put them down if you've already raised. Anybody else? Hallelujah, yes, I see that hand. Yes. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray. I'm going to ask everybody here to join me. And if you raise your hand, please say this loud enough so your own ears can hear you. I sense the presence of God here today. Pastor Roger said it earlier, I sense he's here. And he wants to change you for the good. He is so grateful, so glad, so happy that you are here today and you're saying, I want to come back to you, Lord. And now you're going to do your part by asking him to forgive you. So pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me even though I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus who took my place on the cross, who was judged for my sins so that I wouldn't have to be. He righted a wrong that he didn't owe. And today, I grab onto that free gift of salvation. I say yes to your grace and mercy. I say thank you for forgiving me, Lord, and making me a new person. And from this day forward, I will do all that I can to stay faithful to you and truthful to your word. I love you, Lord, and thank you for loving me first. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord a hand today? We need to emulate His love. We need to be Jesus. So get out there and get your love on. And I mean that in all of the good ways. All right? Get your love on. Get out there and love people for the kingdom. Love them into the kingdom. They need you. They need to see Jesus in you. Father, thank you again for everything you're doing in and through your body. I thank you for all of the people that are here today, Lord. Bless them. And, and in, in this Advent season, just help us, Lord. If, if we're not right with you, help us to get right with you. Help us to spend these days meditating on your word and on your future return. Lord, we love you and we give you this church. Keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Bless the coffee and the snackies afterwards. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.